we happened to meet each other because she was offering a summit for parenting with different kind of subjects and different experts. And I got intrigued, Alexandra, because I think there's a whole story behind why you have become a parent consultant. Can you let us in a little bit into your story and we take it from there? Sure. Hmm. Um, I think I think my story starts like most where I became a mother and this yes. brought up all kinds of questions and new experiences and um the experiences weren't necessarily matching up with what I had expected. And so I started to do what most mothers do these days. We get online, we speak to friends, we try to find our own way to navigate the wealth of information that exists yeah. right now for parents yeah. and advice. And the more I dug, the more confused I found it to be. Yeah. As it turns out, my mother is a child and family psychologist. She specializes in early childhood. And ironically enough, I didn't really understand what her expertise was until I was sitting in a space where that's what I was looking for. <laughs> I'm Alexandra Kreis, and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. In my own search for self-understanding, I have met people from all walks of life. I bring to you a taste of these encounters. Welcome to Outer Travel in a Journey. Today on my show, I am here with Alexandra, like myself, Alexandra. Yeah. Evan. It's Alexandra Scherzer. It's very hard to say your name with an English accent because it sounds a German Scherzer. That's what I would say, really, Alexandra. <laughs> it's Austrian in origin, so. Ah, see, there you go. So <laughs> Austrian in origin. But um, Alexandra actually lives in Montreal, Canada, and she is a wife parent consultant. And okay, so the, what, what does she do then? What, what was the form of help you needed at the time? I, I was just looking for some, I felt at the time, easy answers, and I couldn't find them in the sense that I would find one easy answer and then quickly was contradicted with another easy answer. So it wasn't clear which path to take. Yeah. And it was only in me starting to ask my mother all these questions and why and why and how does that work? And it actually, her responses were not complicated. They were not contradictory. They weren't convoluted in any way. It was actually quite simple. And I just thought after going through this a few times how is this not available this is clear this yeah. is founded in research this makes sense mm. um and the more that so we started to work together uh just out of interest i was here we have a year maternity leave so i had some time let's say and she was um interested in serving a different group because she had been a professor in university so trained upcoming psychologists, been the director of research projects, worked in hospitals, had a private practice, she sits on boards, but helping the average parent who isn't looking for help, you know, beyond typical development was not who she was reaching, right? So uh -huh. this was a new facet for her too. 
Yeah. And what is it exactly then that you're trying to give to people? Because I think there is so many colors to education, you know, and um, you, you, you talked about science and there is certainly some, I mean, science is just proving that a certain amount of people are going through the same things and they're experiencing uh, certain results with a certain method, but it doesn't apply to each and everybody. And so... Um, there well, the were science, two questions. The way that I, <laughs> sorry, yeah, the way that's a good point. The way that I have understood the science of child development is that um, it can help so much parents understand what is going on beyond what they can see. Hmm. So the behavior is what we see. Yeah. But understanding what's underlying the behavior, what's influencing the behavior, what part of your parenting is going to affect the behavior, what part of your child's inborn genes are going to affect certain behavior, all of that is what we can't see. And yeah. actually, that's what I found is that a lot of the parenting advice out there and available to parents where parents are, right, parents aren't in scientific journals, they are yeah. in or they're non-university classrooms, they're online, on YouTube, listening to podcasts. Um, so the advice that's reaching them is very much looking at the here and now, the behavior, what do I do if I want to get here, I must do A to get B, and what's actually going on, on behind the scenes, behind what we can see now that I understand what's going on, um, it's really a long game. Parenting is a long game. And that's, mm. that's I think, where, where what I help families with is just coming in at a different angle. If you think about the long-term vision of what you want as a family, which most of us do when we're either pregnant or trying to start a family, we, we are hoping for something. There are mm -hmm. dreams there. There are aspirations. There are wishes. There's something we want to develop of ourselves and of our family. And what gets lost, I find today in parenting is sort of putting all of that aside for tomorrow and just handling lunch right now or handling yeah. this behavior. When, yeah. when my take on it now, again, understanding the full breadth of what's going on, what we see and what we don't see mm. is really to take into consideration what we want 30 years from now. Now let's reverse engineer. How do we get there? Because the yeah. first five years are so formative yeah. that they do impact what happens in 40 years from now and the family life you're creating when your kids are teenagers, 20 year olds and onwards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I heard, you know, that it's like the first five years and then you're done almost if you, you know, like the, the things that kind of come in after that are all results of the, your first five years of input. That's a lot of pressure though. I have to say thinking about those sleepless nights that people often have, you know, and then the slowly getting sucked out of your own energy I think that's uh, that's why people go to the instant kind of remedy like when we have uh, it reminds me some so much of my own subject you know like when we have like allergies like this um, season is coming up you know for the allergy season and what people is they do look for the remedy that helps them not to have stuffy nose and you know like breathing troubles but it all starts where you eat and how you eat and how long you eat so it's a little bit the same what we're saying so how did you find yourself 
able to slow down into that perspective? What was your key kind of um, moment, so to speak? Well, I'll say, I'll, I'll answer that in two parts. The first part is, and this was true for me as it is with, with anyone really, the way that you're parented in your early childhood before your memories really begin, um, have a long-term impact on then when you become a parent hmm. called your inner parent. We hear a lot about inner child, but your inner parent is sort yeah. of your gut response when something happens, your gut emotion when something happens as a parent, the way that you're driven to automatically respond is very in line with how you were responded to when you were so young. Hmm. So I'll say within that context is that I I had my mother as my mother, my father's a neuropsychologist. They didn't have um, anything beyond regular stresses in life. They were older parents, relatively speaking. Um, and so their careers were established, their life and routine was established. And we see this across the board generally with older parents compared mm. to younger parents, the stresses are different um, and lesser overall. Yeah. So I was raised in this family um, or with, with these parents where there was a lot of time and such that their knowledge and their environment and what they had created in their home mm. was, was creating an environment for me where um, when I became a parent, my inner parent was not necessarily going against the grain. Mm. So lots of parents right now what they experience is that they might be reading what they should be doing and it's going against their inner parent which is very that in itself is a huge challenge and a lot to overcome yeah. so why i'm saying all of this is that i didn't have to overcome this so you're asking how was i able to calm down well mm -hmm. i had the benefit of starting out with an inner parent let's phrase it that way yeah that was not um that was not being challenged at every turn with me being a mother and having a baby. Mm. So that's the first part of the answer. And the, <laughs> the second part of the answer is I found knowledge to be extremely powerful for mm. me. Once I understood the, the main goal that my son's brain was trying to reach in the first 18 months, it made a lot of all what I then started to view as small decisions really get smaller. The, mm. Our main focus was one thing. And and almost anything that we came up against could be put in this framework of what are we doing for that one thing and everything else is secondary. And when you have that type of focus, it, it just like with anything, right? It just, uh, all of the noise starts to settle down. And can you give us a more specific example? Sure. Um, I can I can speak to the first 18 months. The main <clears throat> goal of the brain during that time is to establish trust with primary caregivers. Mm. And the way that you establish trust as a primary caregiver is to, A, understand your, your child's inborn characteristics and what that means in terms of their behavior, because they're actually expressing emotions through their behavior. We see their behavior, they're crying, they're fussy. This actually stems from emotions that they're feeling and this is just how they express it. So understanding that piece of the pie <clears throat> is actually really valuable because um, what many parents start to feel as um, 
you know, the, the beginnings of negative emotions within themselves because it's frustrating and why doesn't he calm down? And, you know, I've been rocking him and it's not enough. And this can really mount in, in a parent's um, world and <clears throat> perspective of their experience at the moment. Um, it, it just doesn't when you understand what's actually going on. So if you understand why your child's behaving a certain way, and then you understand that responding to them in the way that they're expressing it. So, so there's a lot of right now, um, do this to set up your child on schedule, whether it's sleeping or feeding or uh, napping, all of this. It may line up with what your child's needing, your baby's expressing as a need. It may not be. And if it isn't, you're, you're putting yourself in a much more difficult position yeah. as opposed to following your child's lead, your baby's lead. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that is something that you expected. Sometimes it isn't. My, my son as a baby, he was very inconsistent with how he fed. I felt mm -hmm. like I was constantly either finishing a feed, starting a feed. And this wasn't just in the very newborn stage. This was like, I felt like the whole year. But once I understood that this is actually driven by inborn genes, that it's not me creating this, he arrived this way and me being able to be flexible enough to meet his um, emotional needs, essentially, in the way that he's expressing them is helping him to establish trust in me. And that has a lifelong consequence. So once you know that that's the focus, um, then everything else seems quite secondary, right? So if we're out on the go and somebody makes a comment of like, oh, you cater to him too much, you shouldn't always offer him milk. It's easier to say thank you for your opinion and to stick with what you're doing because you know what's actually going on behind those closed doors, as I had said originally. That brings up two things in me. The one thing is what I've always kind of sworn by is that we kind of return to trust and intuition, you know, that, that we are... Um, actually capable of understanding, for example, our own children or, you know, whoever we kind of cater to, that there is a link already. And, um, and it's very bizarre how we're trying to conform to society plus, you know, this. Um, and the second thing that came up for me is this conundrum or this um, span of playing between wisdom like science knows you know like you were saying about like science really actually found out that that's the best way to do it to um and these are other people again you know from the outside but that we also need a few parameters to to kind of feel reassured in what we're doing and that's then the conundrum a lot of us have in how much do i seek outside advice you know and how much do I trust myself it's a it's a constant play isn't it or how do you counsel with this you know how do you make people comfortable in finding that balance yeah that that's actually a really great question and part of the answer goes back to what I spoke about earlier about the inner parent hmm. if your inner parent is um responding within you in such a way that isn't lining up with um, what you may have read or um, heard about what the current research is, is speaking to, which really means greater empathy, greater patience, more communication, greater respect than what initially was parenting, which was very authoritarian. It's really shifted. Yeah. Um, if you're coming up against something there, 
then it is. It's harder to go with your intuition and trust yourself because essentially you've been hardwired in your brain to behave a certain a certain way, which isn't lining up with perhaps how you'd like to, right? So that's yeah. one one part of the answer. The other part I would say that um, again, parenting is such a long game that if if you hope to raise a child who can trust him or herself in the long run, who can trust his or her intuition in the long run, whatever that is in parenting, in 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 deciding between two different, I don't know, bachelor programs in university and going with what their what is best for them from yeah. their inside out, right? Mm. If this is who you want to raise, the best way to do that is to respect who they are from the very get-go. Yeah. Because when you respect in your behavior and your actions and your responses to them, if you re- truly respect who they are and not try to, as you said, conform in everything that society's sometimes pushing and pulling us to do, if you truly respect your child for who they are and not try to change them and not try, I mean, of course, there's like a ra- raising and rearing and there's a certain way to behave in society and all of that. But in its depths, in its core, if you truly respect who they are, respect mm-hmm. that they they have a shorter temper than you do. And the best thing that you can do is help them manage those emotions as opposed to say, that's wrong. I'm going to punish you. And you can't express those emotions. Well, that's who they are. That's who they're, their genes, the same way that I, I tell parents, we don't get upset at your child every day because they have brown hair oh, it's so frustrating. Oh, how am I going to change that? These are genes for certain emotions as well. Um, It's just that we don't see it that way. So the more that you can respect your child for truly who they are, uh, in the long run, what you're really doing is building an adult who can trust his or her intuition, uh, trust themselves. And this is how you get confident adults from the get-go. Yeah. And who are you attracting and what are you offering? Right. That's a great question. So we were speaking about earlier before how much of the brain is built by the time a child is school age, right? The first five years of life. So this is my specialty. It's helping parents navigate which decisions to make and how to create the home life that they want for today and for the long run during those building years. Because during those building years, there are those focuses that we can take. There are um, clear ways that we can parent such that we are uplifting our child for the long run. After about six years, we can continue to do that, but very much depends on what happened in the first five years. And depending on what happened in the first five years, there may be great adjustments to make in what we do to have that long-term vision play out. So to answer your question, it really is to parents who are, who are parenting young children, children who are, you know, up until about five or six. And I start with some parents who are expecting their first child. Some, you know, that it takes a long time for the science to, merge into general knowledge. It, it, it's starting to happen. So there are parents who know what, as soon as they're pregnant, this, I want to create a different family life than I was raised with. And I don't know how to do that. And then they start seeking that information, which is wonderful. Not everybody's either feeling that way at that time. Um, 
or feeling that they need to be as preventative in their actions. Uh, they feel they probably can trust themselves. And so they, they find me later on when they come up with some challenges. Yeah. And do you do like one-on-ones or is it like more group or is it videotapes mm -hmm. you can learn from? What is it exactly how you can help people? Yeah. So at first I started just with one-on-one. -on -one. Um, this was at the time because it was fairly new to me. I mean, my son is six now, so I've started this journey six years ago. Okay. And at first it was the way that I felt I could best serve um, parents mm. to help them one-on-one. -on -one. I continue to offer that service, but now I often, I have also started to offer group coaching. I call it pod coaching. And it's, I actually find that parents, you know, with a few exceptions would find greater success in the pod coaching because I can coach somebody one-on-one -on -one, so I can do some training. That's why I call it consulting because there's a lot of training and explaining as well with let's, let's oh. see how that meshes with mm. your life, your child, you, who you are. Yeah. Right. But in the pod coaching, you are moving along your journey alongside others who are doing their journey. And there's so much to be learned in hearing an in-depth explanation or in-depth experience from somebody to your left or to your right, even though we do this over Zoom, um, and give you some new ideas and give you a different perspective. Um, because often, and we see this in so many other places in life, um, if somebody else can do it, maybe I can too. You know, oh, I felt exactly like you, you know, and then that person can share what they yeah. did in step one, step two. And so uh, the pod coaching has, has sort of grown Uh, as a result of of the success that's come out of out of the parents going through that yeah and um it's uh, again science <laughs> you know like i mean it's scientifically proven that we learn much faster uh, if we have more people around us you know this whole individual kind of individuality uh, you have to listen to my problems is uh it's a, i think it's very modern in a sense even um Uh, separating us from who we truly not are and we are like a network of beings I think you know it it shows in so many ways that when you get isolated that you know everything uh, drops in you know emotions you know how long you can live and all these things are happening and still we're trying to pretend we are individuals with individual problems and so I can see why you get better successes it's also why for example in indian mythology uh, a lot of storytelling works you know because it's in the stories that we recognize ourselves and we that we can turn the story a little bit so it kind of fits our shoes you know and i totally hear what you're saying and sometimes yeah we need a little bit more attention than just in a group but that doesn't mean we need that all the time but it's mm -hmm. really come down to that right yeah right exactly and even <clears throat> you know, the way that I'm phrasing it now, it might sound like, oh, well, you have to have these breakthroughs between every session. That's not the case. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're just uplifted or you have a different a shift in your perspective or your mindset, just having listened to others, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And their experiences and their questions that week. Um, and, you know, sometimes uh, you might have had this experience listening to even a podcast or a book, or you, you listen to it one time, you get certain information, pleasure out of it, 
learning. Um, you listen to a second time, you hear things you never heard the first time you listen to yeah. a third time, you know, so there's, there's a lot to be said about um, having a different perspective coming into something, listening to something, leaving a group like this, um, and how that changes you for that week. Yeah. Um, so even just in that, in that respect, as you said, we're somewhat all connected. It's very true. Mm. Yeah. And it's, um, I've, I'm, I've recently done these shows um, with my husband on relationships and uh, while we were doing that, we also kind of dabble in methods from psychology like, like you do now, you know, I mean, you use the psychology background of your mother to, to strengthen what you've learned on your own path. And so we do, so do we. <laughs> and um, it's funny because one of the people that I'm following that's uh, Stan Taken or talking t-a-k-i-n um he says we 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 sometimes have the sense of that we need to know you know like we need to know how things work and we don't you know that's why we're on the internet these days i mean in the olden days the network was stronger the community was different and um i find it so interesting how we're trying to be less and less vulnerable in, you know, how we kind of walk through the world and listening to you. I think you offer this crutch of, you know, stepping out of that um, zone where you feel lonely and you think you need to be capable, but feel incapable. And I really appreciate that you go out there in the world to do that. So with that, Having said, what is like one of your bigger goals? What's your wish? You know, if you, if the stars were the limit only, you know, like what is it that you would be wishing for at this point? You know, having gone through six years of your own learning curve. Um, that's a really good question. I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but this is what came to mind as you were asking it to me. Okay, is that now that I understand and see it play out, the long game that parenting is, my real wish is that we are able to collectively raise a greater percentage of children who are able to trust themselves, are confident, know who they are, are emotionally balanced, can self-regulate, communicate yeah. well, have social skills that are um, that are as a whole to them and to everybody that they come into contact with, mm. rise up and bring a society to a much nicer level where there's um, interactions are different. That that's my that's my overall big wish. Every every family that I interact with. Yeah. Um, everything that I put out there, um, this is, I, I, because I understand now this long, this long game that parenting is, and that we are really shaping the yeah. wiring of the brains of these children who are going to be the adults mm. <laughs> and the decision makers of the future. That's, that to me is the, the big picture. Beautiful. One last question I have for you. What was your experience uh, within the pandemic, the crisis, you know, that even made us kind of split up more um, and, you know, definitely brought out 
certain characters and human beings that mm-hmm. don't fit into your description at all. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And I've actually thought about it. I reflected on that mm. um, a few times because, you know, it continued on for so long. And um, and especially yeah. here in Canada, there was a lot of um, isolation moments and quarantine and um, life is still not returned back to what it I mean, I don't think that it will ever any anywhere just return back to as it was, but there we're still under a lot of restrictions here and, and life just does look very different still. Mm-hmm. I would say that for one, I think this is this is common with other people too, that it it really helped to shape the true priorities in my life and my family's life. Um, so that was one. And we were fortunate enough to be able to just live from home (laughs) and work from home that was and and being grateful for for our fortunate circumstance right so that was that and also um I would say that I was also aware of either directly or indirectly through social media and blogs and such like that Mm. that it really put into perspective how I've, I've now written a few pieces about this and spoken about it. I think that having emotional regulation, um, mental resilience, and yeah. having positive mental health and, and being aware of that and working towards that within a family unit is A, a superpower for children. It really is. It's what sets them apart if they don't fall to pieces when things happen, if they don't rely extensively on other people to make their own decisions, if they can stand strong and through a pandemic, this is the biggest thing that we can offer our children and our family. And so I say that within the context of your question because I felt that to be true before the pandemic, but during the pandemic, it just, it just highlighted it like nothing else. Like this is the most important thing. Um, we live in, in, in Quebec here and there's English and there's French and there's a lot of question about what school you go to and you know, the, should, should, Anglo, should in, in English families teach their children French at home? Should you go into a French school? There's all kinds of, that's just language. But there's so many others and this can be um, seen in so many different societies where there's, we get bogged down very easily as parents with all of the options and how do we do best? How do we do best for our kids? And to me, the best really is on the inside. <laughs> yeah. What you're equipping them yeah. with. Yeah. Um, and if you can help to wire, I mean, we're wiring brains regardless of being aware of it or not. Through our responses to our children, the way that we create experiences in our home, the way that we communicate with our spouse, our significant other, with our friends and with our family and our children, all of that is what is how our brains get wired. So whether we aware, we're aware of it or not, it's happening. But if we're aware of it such that we can do the best we can with that, um, then we really are making um, a huge impact for the long run. I want to do this, you know, like <laughs> you speak so close to my heart there. Um, uh, because it, it's still like 
after um, you just have to understand that I am um, extra mom, you know, like I'm a, I'm the stepmom in in the system that I'm living in in our family, and I came quite late into the life of my daughter, and it um, after you know like the funniest thing of all of it was that I dabbled with this sense of stepmother. You know, I was I was waiting on the moment she would hate me. I was waiting on the moment that I had to fight her, and because I'm such a big fighter, and it, it didn't all happened all I got was like this love 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 you know from her side and and after we kind of managed to go through this kind of choppy water where she also had to digest the breakup of her parents obviously but we landed in in the sense of wow this is really you and this is me now you see me now I see you and a lot of the parenting we do these days is not so much um, trained on how well she does in school and that she does the school right. And, you know, there's so many teachers still in school that want uh, kids to function, function. So, and I understand the pressure, you know, in the balance and all that, that it's not against teachers. My husband even is a teacher himself, but still we deciding on creating and supporting a human being to become very strong in herself and in her life skills, you know, and, and that's why what you said touched me so strongly, because I also, you talk about children from age one to five or born to five, you know, and I'm saying even though I know that is significant, I noticed that the switch in how we parented um, this girl now together really, really has an impact now, you know, and it, it wasn't too late, despite science, you know, it was like she was ready to take that on and to express herself. So just to, mm -hmm. to give people also an insight on what also can happen if you feel you want to see your child for who she or he is, then do please, you know, and don't get stuck on the age level just kind of start trusting into who is in front of you and then support them in what they need not what you think is right i'll i'll say that i'm sorry if i if i led uh what i said for some to believe that it it's only important zero to five it isn't that's that's the building time yeah after what whatever you built has to be maintained so you're not set for life at five, nor is it not worth you returning and and making efforts later on. I mean, I I always say like better at six months than at six years old, better at six than at 26 and better at 26 than at 66. But it is mm -hmm. always valuable to try. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you and your husband were very clear about your intention of what you wanted. And it sounds like what you were the main standpoint you were offering your stepdaughter was coming from a space of genuine respect for her and for each other, uh, which is actually what happens uh, when the brain is being built zero to 18 months, right? So um, if you stem from that in a consistent and genuine way, yes, you can find wonderful, wonderful um, changes and or outcomes. Yeah, and I think part of what you're saying uh, triggers back, of course, I'm in education and adult education as such, you know, or coaching, consulting, 
And it kind of comes back to really trusting yourself as well. And yeah, as you pointed out already earlier, you know, we live so much under the influence and in how we were parented. And that can ha could have gone one way or the other, you know, where we couldn't be ourselves. So to arrive back in that sense of loving, you know, existence of presence in yourself is such an important key these days in my work, I think, you know, just to accept that, that we need to accept ourselves first before we go on and, you know, give this as a gift to others to support them in that way. And so certainly a lot of the learning that parents have to do is to arrive there when they notice that things go wrong so you know it's like a little miracle happening that mirror that's in front of us you know not as in they are the same as we are but they are teaching us you know that we're not honest with ourselves that we're not you know living as we want to live sometimes and, and i don't mean the whole kind of yacht and material thing i mean like you know self-expression and at this point yeah Yes, I agree. Being being true to yourself is something that is noticeable. Um, and you don't have to spend much time with someone to figure out where they stand on that. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Shall we close this by you giving us maybe a pearl of wisdom or what would you like to advise or invite to or whatever comes to you right now? I'm happy to. I guess I would say maybe stemming from what we spoke about today that looking within I mean even the title of your podcast right inner journey <laughs> looking within uh, can be very powerful in our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with everybody our children our family our parents our friends our colleagues everybody so starting starting within first is um, well essentially it, it is what what I teach in wise parenting um, but it but it applies to anybody in any in any circumstance, whether they're a parent of a young child, not a parent at all, or just looking at who they are day to day, living through life on their own life's journey, or interacting with the other adults in their in their life. Absolutely. I I'd leave it at that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alex. For, thank you to uh, you. This has been a wonderful discussion. Mm, I, I really like it. And it's, of course, as a parent, we always kind of like to listen a little bit to that extra information. So thank you for bringing all these beautiful gems to the table here. And good luck with your yeah. counseling and or consulting, sorry. And then, yeah, hope to see you around. Thank <laughs> you so much. Best of luck to you too. Thank you. Thank you, dear listener. See you next time.